following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. So we are in this uh, looking at being sent. We... um, one of the key verses is where Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I send you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And we've made this connection about being sent. Uh, that is like one of the main reasons we are filled with the Holy Spirit is because we are sent out. And we're sent with a message. Uh, Pastor Bob opened the series talking about the message that we're sent with, a message that can actually bring a dead man to life. We are sent, we can sometimes relegate the good news of the gospel like, yeah, it's this thing that you could add to your life if you felt like it, you know, like juicing or CrossFit. (laughs) But it's not. It is a message that brings the dead to life. Some of you think juicing does that, but I'm saying it's a different kind of bringing the dead to life. But but that we're sent with this message that is very, very powerful that brings the dead to life. And we need to recognize that there are people all around us that are asking a question, and we may not hear it because we see the things they're walking and we see the things that they're doing and what they're giving themselves to. And we can look at that and we can judge that, but we need to realize they're dead and that there is something on the inside of them that is saying, is there life for me? There's an emptiness I'm walking in, and everything I'm doing is to fill up this emptiness. And they're asking, is there a savior for me? Is there life for me? And we have the great privilege of declaring the truth that yes, Jesus is for you. He is the savior. In Isaiah 55, it says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you without money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on that which is not bread and your labor on that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of foods. This is the message that we have. Come to the table. There is a table for you where you can come and eat and you don't have to earn. You can just come and receive. And so we're sent with this message And we're sent with, because there's this hopelessness in that, that people have. But we are sent with a message of hope that says, yes, come and eat. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to buy it. You can be satisfied. We have both an eternal hope. I think sometimes we relegate the message of the good news to eternal hope. That we're bringing a message that says, I can help you be sure where you go when your life on earth is done. And that's an important aspect of the message that we have, this eternal hope. But we need to recognize we also carry a message of a present hope. We carry a message that says you can walk in hope for the Lord to intervene and to work in your life right now. I don't know why somewhere along the way the gospel became about afterlife when the gospel has always been about eternal life, all the life. The life lived here naturally in this, on this earth and the life lived when Jesus returns or when, when we go to be with him. And so we have this eternal hope and this present hope that we carry. 
And it's good that we know that this world is not our home. That is part of the message that we carry. It's good that we know that. But it's also good then when we embrace that message, this world is not my home. We can sometimes live like refugees and immigrants. And that's not what we are. The Bible's very clear. Yes, this world is not your home. You are a sojourner. You are passing through. But you've been sent, not captured, not imprisoned in this place where we just hang on and wait for Jesus to come back, where we look outside our window and go, wow, it's getting messy out there. Jesus, come quickly. Yeah, we are meant to have that prayer in our hearts, but we need to recognize we are not refugees and immigrants. We are ambassadors. And that's what I talked about the last time that I preached, the reality of being sent as ambassadors, which means we have a particular identity that we're sent with. We have a culture and a language and a way of being that we are sent with. That identity, we have a, uh, an identity as being fully uh, loved and accepted of the Father. We have a, an identity of, of knowing the heart of the Father and the presence of the Father. And it's with that place of identity that we carry out the work that we've been sent to do as ambassadors. And so we've been sent as ambassadors, which means we have an identity. We have a citizenship in heaven, even though we're sent to another place. We don't change citizenship. We don't give up our heavenly passport to live there. And so we have all the rights and all the privileges of that citizenship in any place that we're sent to as ambassadors. So we have an identity. We have an agenda. We talked about how that word's become so ugly. It's a good word. It's a good word when we recognize that we have a kingdom agenda. We do not get sent as an ambassador and then we just get to do whatever we want. No ambassador gets to just decide what they feel like doing when they get sent. They have an agenda that comes from the one that sent them. And so we talked about that, that I have to give up my agenda for his agenda when I become an ambassador. I don't get to represent my own opinions and my own preferences and my own, my life is not my own anymore. And it's a delightful thing. Because with that agenda and with walking out that agenda comes authority. I get to walk in the authority of the agenda that I've been sent as an ambassador to walk out. And there are times when we feel like, God, I'm not walking in the authority that I thought I should be walking in. And it, those are moments for me in my life when I go, well, whose agenda am I trying to further? If I don't feel like I have the authority that I know that I have because the word tells me that I have it, is it possible I've stepped out of the agenda of the home office and into my own agenda? Good word. And so it's important that we recognize that our authority is to carry out his agenda. In John 14, 14, I'll do whatever you ask in my name. This is Jesus speaking. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And a lot of times we have applied this to say, if I ask it in the name of Jesus, it has authority. As if the, it's like a magic word. I 
can't, I just, there, I'm supposed to give an example of a magic word in a kid's show, and I can't even think of one. Abracadabra. <laughs> Thank you. That, that we apply it, like, when we say the magic word, this happens. But that's not what authority is. It isn't that whatever it is that I want to see happen, I attach his name to. It's that I see what he wants to see happen. And then I speak that out and I come into agreement with what he wants to see happen in his name. That word name, again, in the original, I'm going to be so hydrated today. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. Um, the original word, it, it doesn't mean name like his, my name is. Are you just going to take that away from me? Or? Okay. <clears throat> Thank you. It doesn't mean my name is. It means name meant in the interest of, in the authority of, in the command of. So when we do something in his name, we're doing it in his interest, in his authority. That means I don't speak anything in his name or pray anything in his name unless I know it's under his authority that he's asking me to do that. That is why our time of prayer, it's so important that it begins with listening. It begins with worship. When they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, well, you start by hallowing the name of the Father. And you start by saying, your kingdom come and your will be done. And then we begin to like just rattle off all the things that we think, nope. We just start with that. That's why worship, I think, is an important part of prayer because it puts him on the throne. It, it, is, it puts him on the, the, the place where we go, oh, that's right, I'm about your agenda. And then we get to walk out in authority from that place of recognizing his lordship and his plan and his purpose and his character and his heart. Another word, uh, uh, another description for that word name is to on behalf of revealing one's character. That when we say, in the name of Jesus I'm doing this, it is partly to reveal his character in that matter. It's not just I'm going to apply the name Jesus to whatever it is that I'm asking. And so we have, as ambassadors, an identity, an agenda, and an authority that comes from him. But the final piece that we just barely got to touch on that I'm going to finish up today is we have a particular assignment as an ambassador. And those are very individual and very unique. And there are times when we can kind of lump together what we think the assignment of the people of God is, and we can kind of elevate certain aspects of the activity as godly, holy activity. And we need to realize that they don't send all of the ambassadors to one place. They don't send all of the ambassadors. Like, like, what would be the point of that? You can do that at home. But they send the ambassadors to different places, to different cultures, to different institutions, to different organizations, to different languages. And that's the uniqueness of the way that you are sent. All of us are sent with identity. All of us are sent really with the same agenda and the same authority 
but you will not have authority in a place that you are not assigned. We are assigned to a specific place. If I am the ambassador to Mozambique and I want to go exercise authority in Saudi Arabia, they'll be like, who are you? They're not going to recognize that. And so there's a place where it's important that we recognize where we've been assigned because that's where our authority and what we've been sent to do can be played out. So you need to know not only have you been sent, but you've been assigned so this is where I want to talk a little bit about your work. Because we can once again feel like the job that we have been given hinders us from carrying out the assignment or the agenda as an ambassador. And it's just not true. Good. It's the exact opposite that there are places for those of you, really, it is like 1% of believers are going to express their assignment in full-time occupational ministry, like 1%. The rest of us are walking out our assignment in the place that God's assigned us to be. And it's an important aspect. If we were to ask, well, what's the mission's strategy of Living Waters? Where, where, you know, where, where does Living Waters send out missions? Absolutely. We have some awesome local connections where we sow into and we volunteer and, we, and, and we're on mission through those organizations. And we have countries that we, we send teams to and that we're connected with. We, there's a church in Ukraine with Max and ministry there that we are deeply connected to. And we feel like it's an important connection and we send into that. But the largest part of our mission strategy is sending everybody into the place that they've been assigned on Monday morning. Whether that is your home and your family, whether that is a job site or a salon or an office or a doctor's uh, clinic or a, a classroom, Wherever that is, that's the mission strategy. Do you know why? Because that was the mission strategy of Jesus. He didn't say, go forth and build a whole bunch of churches. He said, I'm going to build my church. But he said, go make disciples in every nation, in every sphere. When, when it says in John, somewhere, because now I've lost it. When it says in John... Or maybe it's Mark. I think when he's, it's Mark chapter 16. He says, go and preach the good news to all creation. He's actually talking about like every institution, every created thing, every founded thing. Any, any place where something has been founded or created, any institution, go and preach to those places. And so you've been assigned to a place that I haven't been assigned You've been uniquely assigned to these places of mission. And I find it interesting that we often, there's something in us from an early age that considers, because what do we ask kids as it relates to, what do we, what do we ask them? What do you want to be when you grow up? Isn't that an interesting way to ask the question? And what are we asking them? We're asking 
them basically, what do you want to do for your occupation? We're actually asking them, what do you want to do when you grow up? The reality is, what you do is the place that you are being what you be. <laughs> I don't, okay. It is grammatically incorrect, but theologically sound. So, so it is, it's funny that we ask kids that. What do you want to be when, when you grow up? But that's because I think we recognize that there's something more than just occupation. There is vocation. There is something on the inside of us that has a calling towards certain things. Good. Based on our giftings and, you know, wherever you are assigned, he is going to equip you. And so if you are equipped for something that isn't standing up front and preaching the way that I do, then do that as an assignment as important as this assignment. You can talk to people I will never be able to talk to. They would take one look at me and go, yeah, I don't want to hear anything that lady's saying. But you, who have giftings and equipping and other things and a language that they understand, you can talk to them in a way that I can't. Because you're assigned to that space and that sphere with the agenda of the kingdom and the authority of the kingdom. And so I want us to begin to look differently at the way we work. <laughs> at our work, or at our job, and connect not just our occupation, but recognize our vocation. Vocation comes from the word mean to call, vocal call, and it has to do with a calling. Some of you think, I'm just working a job, but I want you to know you have a calling within that job. And it's important. It is so important to the, the larger mission on the earth, that we each walk in that assignment, that we not decide this assignment is more important than this assignment, and this assignment is more worthy than this assignment, and this assignment is more godly and holy than this assignment, but that we walk in the holiness and the glory of the assignment that God's given us in our work. One thing I think that's important for us to recognize I just want to tell this story just because I think it's cute. I don't want to move on until I tell it. Our oldest son, Michael, as it relates to asking kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? Our oldest son, Michael, Brian, um, had asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And Michael said, this. And I think there's something in us that needs to recognize that there is a bee in us that has nothing to do with what we do. And if we could stay in that place, okay, I just had to tell that story because it was just so cute. Um, so we need to recognize, because we can think that our life with God or our work for him is only the spiritual stuff. It's only the volunteering at church and the teaching Sunday school, which can I just say is super important and we need. We're actually a little short-handed in our Sunday school coming into the fall and it's important that we can do that well. But it's also, we need to recognize these other, these places that God has assigned us is just as important. Do you know, we are very careful 
with our, our schedule at the church. So if you have an idea about something you want to do, or we're going to do a class, or we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we want to be very careful with how busy we make you in this building because it's really important to us that you have time to do your assignment. Anything that we are gathering us in this building for is for the sake of ascending. And so we, we are careful about that. We have all kinds of good ideas and all kinds of things that we could be doing. And we could have five classes on a Thursday night. And we could have, we probably wouldn't have volunteers for all of everything. But, but I'm just saying, it's important to us that we don't make us too busy here because we recognize you have an important assignment. You have an important assignment out there. So anything we do in here is to equip you for that assignment. It is to encourage you for that assignment. It is for us to come together and get filled up. I don't want to be a church that just has really good gatherings. I do like a good gathering. <laughs> but what I like better is the sending that comes out of the gathering. That there is something we're sent with. This morning, Jay Bryan talked about how the, the worship that we step into becomes the work that we walk in. I love how he writes and just how he can make things sound so po poetic. And, but there was something so powerful about the words and, and talking about that there's ground that's waiting for us to, to plow. And we come and we worship and it fuels the work that we do. And some of that work is in the job that you go to every day and you go, ah, oh, if I didn't have this job, I could do this and this and this. Or maybe you're in a season, maybe you're in a retirement season or you're in between. Maybe you're looking for a job and you've come out of a hard job and you want to make sure the next job is the right job. I just want to encourage you, the Lord has an assignment for you even in the waiting even if you're not working in a job right now, he has a, an assignment for you in that place. If you are staying at home with kids, he has an assignment for you in that place for this season. This assignment that you're in right now may not be the assignment you always have for the rest of your life, but it is your assignment for right now. And I want you to feel the anointing of the Lord on that assignment as much as you do on the assignment to pray for somebody up front or give a prophetic word or teach Sunday school or bring the opening message or lead worship. There is an anointing on the assignment you have in your day-to-day, -day, Monday through Friday, or some of you who work weekends and nights and whatever it is. I want us to, to recognize that the filling of the Holy Spirit was for the sending of that work too and not relegate it to prayer and signs and wonders. And there's, there's an aspect of the worthiness of that work. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared for us in advance. And we, again, we tend to think about good works as that person I'm going to share Christ with in the checkout 
All of that is good. That's part of the assignment. But there is work. Did you know? Did you know that the part of paradise in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man, before sin entered the picture, part of paradise was work. Because he planted a garden and gave it to them to tend. And I don't think that means like, like I think they had to tend it. I think they had to cultivate it. I have said in the past that we, we are, can be like God in the way that he is a creator and we also are creative beings and we can create. And honestly, I heard something recently where I go, yeah, I think I'm not quite, I think that is not theologically correct. We cannot create the way God creates. We can only cultivate what he has created. So even if we are a person who writes a song or a poem or we paint a painting, there is nothing we are doing that isn't mirroring, utilizing what he has created. If we're painting something, we're painting something he has created. If we are writing about something, we're writing about some aspect of who he is. If we are playing music, we are using things made out of things that he has created, using sound waves that he created. And so we get to be cultivators in every space. And that is not part of the fall. That is not toil. We can expect to see fruitfulness from the things that we cultivate at the work of our hands and to know that that's an assignment he's given us. It's important that we recognize that there's a lot of people that could do your job, but nobody can do your work. I am doing the best I can to step into Pastor Dave's job, but I can't do his work. His work continued on past this job. This job was an assignment for him for a while, and he did his work through it. And now I have the privilege and the challenge of doing my work through this job. But this job is not my work. Yeah, okay. Hang on, I gotta get you a mic. I love it. That's so good. And timely. With that, I want to bless you in your assignment. I want to send you into your assignment today. Why don't you stand? Maybe the place where you're working is a hard place. See, the fall of man or when sin entered the picture did not make it so that we have to work, but it did make it so that there would be resistance to our work. And it did make it so that some things would be bent by sin or twisted. And we need to recognize that we are ambassadors that get to step in 
to toil, a place of toil, which is a resistance to our work, and expect for the authority and the agenda of his kingdom to be able to work through that. Or if you are in an industry or a segment of, of society, if you're working in a place where it feels like this place is very bent by sin, you get to come and be an agent of truth and light. And so I want to bless you in that. Lord, we thank you for each individual assignment. We ask that each one would be able to connect to the reality of what they are made to do. Even in a job that doesn't feel entirely fulfilling, God, I ask that you would send them with the anointing and the blessing and the realization of, of what they are made to do, the work of you within that job. God, we ask for those that are between jobs or who are transitioning or, or that they don't have kind of a standard job, but God, we ask that you would anoint the work of their hands, that they would know what their work is in this season. Not toil and striving, but a work that is done by the power of your Holy Spirit. Yes, we put our hand to it, we put our back into it, but that there is an authority that is behind us that moves us forward in that work. And it belongs to you. There's a spirit, a wind at our back in that work. So Lord, we bless each assignment that each of these are in right now. God, would you anoint them for the work that you've assigned to them? Lord, we ask for a new understanding of the authority that they carry in that place. We pray for moms whose work is within the home right now that you would help them to understand the authority that they carry within that place. We pray for dads whose work is also in the home and we ask that you would give them an understanding of the authority that they carry within that place. God, we ask for the, those that are in offices and in, at job sites and in garages and in salons and all of those places, God, would you just anoint the work of their hands, that those places would become a, a place where they are walking out the agenda of the kingdom. Would you connect them to the, the fulfillment of that? We just send you. The way that Jesus said, I send you how the Father sent me. We send you with the anointing of the Holy Spirit for the work that he has assigned to you for this season. We celebrate the work that he's assigned to you. We send you with the identity and the agenda and the authority to carry out your assignment. Amen. Lord, we thank you that Jesus was a healer in this world, we send all of you into the broken things of, of your different areas that you're ministering into through your work. We send you as healers, as those who, who bring things back together because that was the work of Jesus, to restore brokenness to wholeness. Thank you, Lord, for anointing the work that you've assigned us to. I just ask that you would help us to reconnect to that aspect of mission in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org. Thank you.